Grizz Nation's favorite outfitter is the M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. And now the M Store has a brand new location in downtown Missoula. Come check out the new storefront located on the corner of Higgins and Broadway. The M Store in Missoula has been your Grizz Gear headquarters for more than 10 years, offering some of the most original University of Montana gear you'll find anywhere in the Garden City. Next time you're downtown, swing in. Come by the M Store today and wear what the Grizz wear. Or shop online at MontanaMStore.com. Montana's only daily sports talk show, Nuanez Now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. I like football! Well, happy Monday, everybody. Welcome in. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, and the ESPN MT app. No SWX today, but if you want to see me, Coulter Nuanas, or you want to see the greatest bronze in the history of sports bronzes, either way, I go download the ESPN MT app. Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, here to get your week started. Hope you had a great weekend. Uh, all good on this side. It uh, It's crazy when it finally slows down. You know, it's football straight into the holidays, and uh, then you're usually just recovering from the holidays, but actually got a chance to hang out around the house, do some chores, built a closet. You know, I had to call in reinforcements, but whatever. You know, I'm still happy and proud of us for being able to do it, and hopefully you had a great weekend as well. Ton to get to today here on your Monday, first Monday show of 2023, and uh it's the uh, same Monday slate we've had for quite some time. We'll get things started off with the Montana Football Hour. Today, tonight, the last college, the last day of, I should say, college football, the last college football game of the season at the Division I level is tonight. We got an FCS national champion named yesterday. <laughs> South Dakota State beat dismantles, in fact, North Dakota State. Huge win by the Jackrabbits, the first team to defeat North Dakota State in Frisco ever. Bison had won nine consecutive FCS National Championship games. All of them played right outside of Dallas, Texas. So congratulations to SCSU. We'll talk our way around the FCS National Championship game. Put it into perspective uh, from uh, the lens of the Big Sky Conference, what's it mean for the Montana schools? How far away are the Montana schools and uh, the rest of the Big Sky Conference? Got a short soundbite uh, from John Stigelmeyer. He joined us on this show leading up to the FCS Final Four uh, when South Dakota State played Montana State. And it's just sort of a, a, a one-minute snippet that I think just sums up what John Stigelmeyer and South Dakota State are all about. And uh, I think that he is a great story within the scope of college football. We'll get to more on that in a second. We'll also transition transition excuse me, then here in the first hour uh, to... Some basketball. We'll talk some Big Sky Conference basketball from over the weekend. We will also talk uh, some high school basketball scores from the last couple days. And uh, then we'll also talk about the latest University of Montana football uh, recruit as well. They got a transfer offensive lineman coming in from Utah Tech. That'll be your first hour of this here Monday show. And then in hour number two, your favorite guy. Marty Mornaweg, the coach more than 25 years in the National Football League. He'll be in studio to break down the final weekend of the regular season and take a look ahead to what should be a very entertaining and very fun uh, wildcard round of the uh, NFL playoffs. To show Outlook, it's presented by Brent Wahlberg and the Wahlberg team. Wahlberg team, the official realtors of Grizz Athletics. Any and all real estate questions you might have, give Brent and his team a call today. The Montana Football Hour is presented proudly by Blackfoot Communications. Blackfoot Communications is an awesome part of our community, providing fiber, providing all sorts of small business networking, 
If you want to see how Blackfoot Communications can help you connect to more, visit goblackfoot.com. The FCS national title game, uh, it was really interesting because if you listen to this show, you know I love the NFL. Love the NFL. I think that the NFL is, uh, I mean, there is a lot that I, I almost consistently and frequently criticize about the NFL. The NFL still, to me, is my favorite, at least in terms of the spectacle of it, and my my following of it, my favorite sport uh, that exists in the world right now. Now, this last weekend was filled with all sorts of really great NFL games. The FCS National Championship game kicked off at high noon on Sunday. It was on ABC. The weather from Frisco, the sun was shining, which makes that field, that soccer stadium there, Toyota Stadium there uh, in Frisco, Texas, just north of Dallas, it makes it look really cool, makes it look really pretty. And uh, so it, the game looked good on TV yesterday. The, the crowd looked like it showed out well as well. And you could see that there was a lot of passion and enthusiasm there with two of the premier uh, FCS programs down there. It seemed like there was uh, probably a more sizable South Dakota State crew than any other of NDSU's opponents had brought down there except for save maybe Montana State. Other than that, though, SDSU showed out well. And, you know, just, just goes to show you what a change of venue and a change of weather will do for you. Because South Dakota State, they were not drawing very well their last two home playoff games. So to bring a good contingent down to Frisco, um, good for them. So the crowd, the present, presentation, all of it looked good. The game was uh, a little bit unpredictable, especially early on, because South Dakota State they basically turned it into a, uh, a full-on sprint, and they ha- they hit on a bunch of explosive plays. Uh, they were up 21-7. to They pushed the lead uh, all the way uh, to 31-14 at halftime, and they pretty much just cruised from there. But as solid of a first half and as solid of a, a comprehensive effort as uh, you could possibly expect, especially against a team that has so dominated the uh, college football uh landscape like North Dakota State has. I also think, though, we've heard from every angle, you know, whether it's Sam Herder, Hero Sports, or, you know, various uh, voters and pundits when it comes to uh, the FCS as a whole on, on the national level, whether it's the, the media out of Fargo, particularly Mike McFeely, who I've joined on his podcast there out of Fargo a couple times this year. We've heard it from every corner. NDSU, they were vulnerable this year. They've taken a step back. I think you can have both, though. South Dakota State has done a tremendous job of, I mean, they have led the pack in terms of chasing North Dakota State. North Dakota State has made a lot of different teams rise. I mean, shoot, it made James Bassett and Sam Houston rise to the point where they left the subdivision rather than trying to overtake the Bison. And, uh, but South Dakota State has, has set the pace in terms of chasing North Dakota State. More than Montana State, certainly more than Montana, more than anybody else in the country. So I think you can have both things at once. I think that certainly North Dakota State was very banged up. I think certainly North Dakota State didn't quite have the elite talent it's had in the last 10 years. And how could you? I mean, did you watch Sunday Night Football last night? Who does Aaron Rodgers throw the ball to more than anybody else on the Packers? Christian Watson, that's an NDSU guy. Who's returned punts for the Packers for the last couple of years? I don't know if he is this year, but certainly in recent years, Darius Shepard, also a North Dakota State guy, playing there for the Pack. I mean, Trey Lance was supposed to be the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. They got the two seed in the NFL playoffs, so that's pretty good. You know, Carson Wentz has been on multiple, uh, been started for multiple NFL franchises. And that's not even to mention guys like Jabril Cox and Robbie Grimsley and Greg Menard and, and on down the line. Kyle Emanuel, there's not quite that headliner-type star at North Dakota State, except for maybe Hunter Lepke, and he was out. He's on, uh, He was on crutches uh, during the national championship game. So NDSU certainly banged up. They certainly don't have quite the top-tier talent. I think that they've regressed a little bit from what was. I mean, I don't know if you can sustain it for more than, I mean, more, most sports teams, whether it's pro sports franchises, college sports programs, whatever, most sports teams can't really sustain 
elite success for more than two, three years. So to do it for 10, unbelievable. And if a down year still means you're the runner-up in the SCS National Championship game, uh, still pretty darn good for NDSU. So I think both things can be true. The ascension of South Dakota State and also maybe one step closer to the pack, uh, the North Dakota State. So is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. This is the Montana Football Hour. It's presented by Blackfoot Communications. Let's analyze this from the South Dakota State angle first, though. So what are the things that have helped South Dakota State at the same time now catch, and for this exact moment, today, the day after the FCS National Championship surpassed North Dakota State? What has helped that happen? Well, first of all, South Dakota State has invested at an incredibly high level. You're talking about indoor practice facility, recovery room, elite training facilities, elite weight room, elite locker room for your student-athletes. Uh, they, they spent more than $40 million on their new stadium about a handful of years ago, and that's still paying dividends in recruiting. And they also are up to par in terms of scholarships, what they can offer in terms of full cost of attendance, the level of support they can give their student-athletes. They, by all accounts, are funding closer to a Big Ten or a Mountain West than they are anybody else in the big sky, and they're certainly funding the Missouri Valley as a a whole, but led by North Dakota State and South Dakota State, are funding more like an FBS than any other of the FCS uh, leagues and certainly at a higher level than the Big Sky Conference. I think another thing, though, that's helped South Dakota State rise up is they've gotten a chance to see the demon. They've had a chance to, to look at the elephant. I mean, Jeff Choate talked about that after Montana State went to Fargo for the first time. Montana State had its season ended in uh, 2019 and uh, 2021. Let's see, 2018, 2019, and 2021. And after the 2018 season, when Montana State went to Fargo, in the second round of the FCS playoffs and lost 52-10. to 10. Choke talked about that. He's like, man, I didn't realize how far away we were from NDSU until I saw NDSU live and in person. Well, South Dakota State gets to see the elephant every single day. They get they get to watch NDSU on film. I don't, even, I don't know if get is the right word. They have to watch NDSU on film every single week. A lot of crossover within the Missouri Valley Football Conference. They're also rivals. I mean, they, they play for a trophy. And so, you know, high tides raises all ships, but SDSU's had a front row seat to, to see exactly what they need to do to keep pace with NDSU, and they've done that consistently, consistently, consistently. South Dakota State has been the, the second most consistent FCS program other than North Dakota State since the two teams first broke in. SDSU... And South, uh, North Dakota State, South Dakota State both went Division One in the mid-2000s. South Dakota State had its first playoff appearance in 2009, NDSU in 2010. And since then, they've been perennially winning playoff games. SDSU's been in five out of the last six Final Fours. They played for the Spring National Championship, whereas North Dakota State has now uh, won nine out of the last 11 national championships. And uh, they had, had a streak of nine out of ten during fall seasons uh, leading up to Sunday. So they've both been consistent with each other. But then I think the other thing is that y- you can talk about facilities, culture, funding, tradition, fan base. These are all the 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 whole foods, so to speak, that it takes to build the pyramid of being a championship contender at the Division One level, whether it's FBS or FCS. But more than anything you got to have players. I mean, you can talk about Nick Saban and his decision-making and his culture and his coaching staff and Alabama's facilities and fan base and all of it. But Alabama, year in and year out, is one of the top five teams in the country because they got better players than everybody else. Georgia figured it out. They, they, they hired Kirby Smart, and they'll play for the national championship again tonight for the second year in a row. What does Georgia have over everybody else? It's not Kirby Smart being better than Nick Saban or Dabo Swinney or Urban Meyer or whoever, Jim Harbaugh, none of that. Kirby Smart's great. He's done a phenomenal job. But what has he done better than anybody else? Recruited. He's got better players. Georgia straight up won the national championship game last year because they were the most talented team I've seen in quite some time. I mean, just off the top of your head, it's been since those early 2000s Miami teams. You've seen a team as good as the Georgia Bulldogs last year. Well, South Dakota State did the same thing. 
they start. I mean, John Stigelmeyer turned his recruiting right when they st- were uh, about to fund that new stadium, which I think the, the fundraising started about nine years ago, and then they they built it up and opened it, and uh, they recruited to it though, and have been recruiting to it, and then haven't been recruiting to what it it has given them for probably the last six years, and they brought in. Now they're on their second round of great classes. You had that first uh, group that was really the breakout group like in 2014 when Zach Zenner, who went on to play in the NFL, Dallas Goddard, who went on to play in the NFL, uh, Christian Roseboom, one of their great inside linebackers who still plays for, the, I believe, the Chargers. That was like the first wave. But sometimes you only get the one wave and then you get complacent or you get dull. And that's what I'm talking about. NDSU setting the pace right in South Dakota State's back door that helped keep SDSU sharp. And then they started getting players that nobody else has got. I mean, Tucker Craft is going to be one of the top two or three tight ends drafted in this next year's NFL draft out of South Dakota State. And he's the next in line of this great group of tight ends, including Dallas Goddard, who's still a starter in the NFL, from at least a part-time starter, certainly still plays in the NFL. You look at their running backs, though. You get Zach Zenner, he rushes for 6,000-plus yards, goes to the NFL, and plays a bunch of football for the Detroit Lions. Well, instead of having any sort of dip, then you go get Pierre Strong, who's a fourth-round draft pick this last year, and uh, started on Monday Night Football for the New England Patriots earlier this year. And then you get now the guy they got in the backfield right now, Isaiah Davis. I mean, he was the Missouri Gatorade Player of the Year. You get the Gatorade Player of the Year from any state, he's probably going to be a pretty good FCS player. You get the one from Missouri, you got yourself probably a Power 5, if not at at the very least a Group of 5 steal, that's exactly what Isaiah Davis has been. And SDSU's running back who's coming up the ranks after Davis, he's kind of a breakout star. I don't even know his name. He was awesome, though. And when we were watching the game yesterday at our house, uh, Andrew, Andrew Houghton, our producer in the, in the back, and also uh, our, uh, my roommate, he was like, man, this, this backup for SDSU is almost as good as Isaiah Davis. And it's, it's true. I mean, that's the, the key to it all is the ability to get top-level talent. More than any other reason, South Dakota State beat Montana State in the quarterfinals, or excuse me, in the semifinals, and they beat North Dakota State yesterday in the championship because they got better players. I mean, I didn't even mention Matt Gronowski, who's a phenomenal quarterback there for SDSU. Or, uh, you know, Sanders kid, the defensive tackle, who's a two-time All-American. I mean, on down the list, they have great, great talent. And then the last factor as to why South Dakota State is now your reigning FCS national champions it's John Stigelmeyer. He's one of our favorites around here. Uh, because Montana State has such a, a direct tie to South Dakota State, Leon Costello, MSU Athletic Director, he came from SDSU. So Montana State has played South Dakota State in uh, a variety of sports pretty pretty, uh, pretty much annually, I would say, since Costello took over uh, as the AD there at MSU. And... So we've gotten to know John Stigelmeyer quite well. I mean, between the Big Sky Breakdown podcast and this radio show, uh, Coach Stig has joined us more than a dozen times, and I always enjoy our chats. Uh, he's definitely a throwback guy. He's You can tell he's a simple guy from rural you know, Midwest America. But his consistency there, his desire to continue to want to get better, even if it's just incrementally, that's what got them to the very top. He's been at South Dakota State since 1988, and he's been the head coach there at SDSU since 1997. John Stigelmeyer, who uh, finally, at long last, has a national championship, he joined us in December. I thought that this little soundbite just sums up what Coach Stig at South Dakota State is all about. You know, I, I grew up on a farm. My dad taught me two things, work hard and be a good person. And we have really great people in our program. We work hard, and uh, sometimes the ball doesn't bounce your way. But, again, if you're doing things right, if you're working hard, uh, most of the time you reap positive benefits. And sometimes you just play better, but you lose a game. Sometimes you you know, you know, get to be ranked number one because you win a game. It's been, it's been fun. And, and uh, I learned early in my career that uh, the top level isn't always the best for somebody. Uh, you know, I wanted to be able to spend a little more time with our family in this level, and South Coast State allows me to do that. So it's been really, really special. Well, one thing, speaking of this level, uh, one thing that I just love about this level is you get to watch teams make such huge improvements throughout the scope of a year. In your mind, what does it take to make those improvements, and how have you seen your team improve uh, throughout the last 10, 15 weeks? You know, um, 
you know, I mean, again, God made us that we're supposed to work hard every day. And when we do that, we're supposed to get better every day. And I mean, daily, we're supposed to do that. We're supposed to be able to end the day and, and, and uh, look back and say, this is where I focused on and this is where, uh, where I, I made some improvements. John Stiglmeyer, South Dakota State head coach here on the Montana Football Hour, South Dakota State, the uh, FCS national champions uh, after defeating North Dakota State uh, handily yesterday uh, in the FCS national championship game. Uh, Andrew, anything to add to this that you saw? You you actually, I, I, I sort of stepped away in the second half because South Dakota State had this game firmly in hand. You watched a little bit more of the second half, but um, it's sort of interesting how this went down, right? Because it was South Dakota State, I think that they've been the closest to North Dakota State of anybody over the last five years. And so then it wasn't as shocking to see Goliath fall as I expected it to be, given that North Dakota State has dominated this level at such a high level over the last 10, 11 years. No, Coulter, you're right. It was really anticlimactic, actually. I thought just the way that it went down because it was clear that uh, you know, South Dakota State was punching on the same level as NDSU. And, you know, you have a dynasty that is so dominant as NDSU. I mean, the the run that they had, nine titles in 10 years, you expect that to take them down is going to take uh, an instant classic, an ESPN classic game, right? You know, you're going back and forth. You make a great play in the final minute. Something crazy happens. Whatever. No, it was just really straightforward. South Dakota State was the better team on the day. And you could see that. Uh, early, I mean, it happened really quickly. They were feeling each other out for a couple drives. South Dakota State breaks those big couple long runs in the first half and just never sort of looked back, and it was just really routine in the end. I think the other thing is, like, South Dakota State, North Dakota State lost. There, there was a span leading up to the, the spring of 2021 season where NDSU, the statistic was they had lost eight games in nine years. I believe exactly half, if not five out of eight, of those losses came to South Dakota State. So they had slow slayed Goliath before. <laughs> They're one of the only ones. Montana in 2015 to open the season. I mean, there's only been a handful of teams in the last decade to beat North Dakota State, but about half of NDSU's losses have come uh, to South Dakota State. So I think that was uh, a part of it as well. Some recruiting news, and we'll circle back around to this, but Sam Vidlack. This is actually funny because I've been messaging with this young man a little bit only because I still had his number because once upon a time, Sam Vidlack committed to the University of Montana coming out of Granite Peaks, Oregon. Well, then he ended up getting an Oregon State offer, ended up going to Oregon State, he ended up transferring from Oregon State to Boise State. He ended up then transferring from Boise State, or I guess I should say entering the NCAA transfer portal after this last year at Boise State. Now the former three-star quarterback is at least assumedly, coming to Montana. I, I, uh, he's got Go Grizz pinned to the top of his Twitter. Um, I checked the Montana student directory a couple days ago. He's in there, so that means he's enrolled in school. Uh, he had asked me to not release the news uh, because he wanted to release it, and uh, I guess I'm a, a little bit thrown off that it wasn't one of the, uh, you know, Happy and honored and proud and God bless everybody to announce tweets. But uh, either way, Montana's got, at least for now, at least it looks like a, uh, a transfer quarterback. Second transfer of the day, right, Andrew? Yeah, Coulter, second one that we've heard about officially today. Uh, Cannon Panfiloff, I think I'm saying that right. An offensive lineman who was at Utah Tech that used to be Dixie State. Uh, but he's played at Utah Tech for the last couple of years, announcing on his Twitter today uh, that he was committed to Montana as well. Sam Vidlak's going to get a lot of the headlines, of course. This is a guy who was a great get originally for the Grizz in 2020 before he decommitted and headed to Oregon State. Uh, a three-star, one of the top prospects in the state of Oregon. He obviously feel, fills a need for the Grizz on the quarterback depth chart, and we'll, yeah. you have to think that he'll be... Uh, the front runner to take that starting job now in the fall, although we can talk about that. Uh, but the other one, Cannon Panfiloff, an offensive lineman from Utah Tech, I think that's a big piece for them too because the Grizz have shown, I mean, they've had a spotty record with transfer quarterbacks. Yeah. I think their record with transfer offensive linemen, getting those guys who can come in, plug and play, 
has been has been pretty good, and they've shown that that's something that they are they're apt to do. And this guy certainly has the size. He's listed 6'6", 285. Montana Football Hour here on Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. It's presented by Blackfoot Communications. This is what I do. We take a break and come back and talk a little bit more about that exact element. I, I I think that there's two sides of the coin. Montana has filled needs pretty well along the offensive line via the NCAA transfer portal. Have the guys they brought in, though, been good enough? We'll discuss next. Keep it right here. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. College athletics is a fundamental part of the fabric of our communities in Montana, and it's the stories of these young men and women that drive our passion at Skyline Sports. Coulter Nuanas here. In 2015, my brother Brooks and I founded SkylineSportsMT.com. As a lifelong athlete, Brooks has an elite knowledge of football with a deep perspective with his time spent playing safety for the Montana Grizz football team, while I won a collection of sports writing awards, including 2010 Washington Sports Writer of the Year during my time in newspapers. Together, we can offer you the best sports journalism in the state with crisp writing, unbiased reporting, cutting-edge photography, and a grassroots feel that belies the corporate takeover of modern media this day and age. As Montana natives, we have a deep historical knowledge of the fiercest rivalry in the West. We share a combined 22 years' experience involved in the Big Sky Conference. That experience gives us unparalleled knowledge of Montana, Montana State, and Big Sky Conference athletics. If you'd like to experience this with us, visit SkylineSportsMT.com and subscribe for only $8 a month or $90 a year. SkylineSportsMT.com. Every day, every season. Bet you you didn't know that that song there was written and performed originally by Bruce Springsteen. You're probably thinking, what version of that song was that? Well, it's the Bruce Springsteen version. It's the original version. Made into a hit years later by Manfred Mann. But that song was the song that helped Clive Davis discover Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. And uh, they'd been around and they'd been uh, sort of regionally famous and they had a record. But that was what then helped vault them and uh, been born to run, and the rest is history. The boss is the boss. Nuwana is now ESPN Radio, as well as the ESPN MT app. I uh, watched a really fun documentary about Clive Davis over the uh, Christmas holiday, and, uh, man, the guy was just everywhere. He had his fingers in everything. It's crazy how many different realms of popular uh, music and and pop and rock music he was involved in. So uh, we got a couple Clive Davis specials uh, coming up here on Nuanas Now. If you're listening to uh, the show on the ESPN MT app and you see our super sweet bronze, <laughs> I'm going to keep it up there so we can watch it on the actual television soon as well. But uh, we've had this for a while. I, I don't know... If our, the owner of said bronze knows much about the history of it, but it's it's a bronze of a football player. And uh, it is number 77, Bill Kohler, who famously wore uh, number 72 at Montana State. He played 10 years in the NFL. His career was marred by injuries uh, in the NFL. But then Bill Kohler has spent the second half of his life as one of the great defensive line coaches in all of uh, – professional football. In the early 90s, he hooked on with Jerry Glanville, the man in black in Atlanta, and then he rose through the ranks, and he was the defensive line coach uh, in Denver when Vaughn Miller was there, and Houston when J.J. Watt was there. Uh, Those are probably his two most famous stints. He's been working in recent years as a consultant for the Broncos and Bill Kohler, Montana State alumni. He just retired from the National Football League on Sunday, officially as a coach, uh, a liaison, a contributor, whatever it might be. And then today, two days later, announced that Bill Kohler, who was the MVP of the 1973 Senior Bowl out of, at the time, Division II Montana State, he will be elected to the College Football Hall of Fame. So if you're looking at the bronze, that's the story. If not, that's your news of the day. Bill Kohler, Montana State alum, elected to the uh, College Football Hall of Fame. Love Coach Kohler. Can't wait to see him again. Uh, he was one of our inaugural inductees into the Montana Football Hall of Fame. I love that uh, project and, and uh, that involvement I have there with those guys just because it, it helps you cross paths with so many awesome 
and uh, memorable figures in the in the college and professional football world. So stay tuned. We'll have another Montana Football Hall of Fame inductee uh, list coming up, as well as another induction ceremony uh, this upcoming summer. We were going to talk some hoops here uh, on the Montana Football Slash Basketball Hour, and we will do that here uh, before this first hour is complete. But we just got some breaking news in the uh, beginning part of this Montana Football Hour presented by Blackfoot Communications. And so I want to continue on this note. A couple transfers committed to the University of Montana today for uh, football, including Sam Vidlack. Vidlack, once upon a time, was a three-star recruit out of Granite Granite Peaks, Oregon. He was uh, one of the top five players in the state. And he committed to the Grizzlies before his the summer before his senior year. Oftentimes, those commitments hold. Actually, most times, I would say in recent years, when Montana gets a commitment, they they tend they tend to stay true and and end up a Grizz. Bidlack, the one that got stolen by the Power Five. So Oregon State came in, swooped him. He ended up taking a scholarship from the Beavers. He only lasted one year there at Oregon State, and then he transferred to Boise State, where he was uh, a backup again last year, and then into the portal again. And now, Vidlack at long last, he circled back around, and he is coming uh, to the University of Montana. He tweeted, Go Grizz, earlier this afternoon. Pinned that to the top of his Twitter. I also looked, uh, what's the what's today? Tuesday? I guess I looked on Saturday. He is into the University of Montana uh, student directory, so he's he's enrolled in classes here at Montana. And uh, then Montana also lands a commitment from an offensive lineman, and Andrew Houghton was telling us about that guy uh, from Utah Tech here earlier. I want to stick on the, the point here, though. Um, Cannon Panfleyoff, is that right? We're just guessing at this point. Panfalov? Panfalov? Panfalov would sure. be my guess. Yeah. This guy's from Roy, Utah. You knew a little bit about him coming out of high school, right? I He had an offer, I think, from ISU coming out of high school when I was down in Pokey. Oh, uh, so he was that sort of Weber caliber. Too, I feel like. What? He, maybe some interest from Weber as well. Yeah, he was that kind of player where yeah. a lot of his interests were just big sky schools. He ended up going to Utah Tech, which... Obviously, used to be uh, Dixie State, but yeah, I've been yeah. been following him, known the name for a couple years now. So on that point, though, the Grizz have made a habit, and some would say that most, if not all, habits are bad habits. But they've certainly made a habit, for better or worse, of fortifying at the very least the depth in their quarterback room and the depth, and in a lot of cases, the starting lineup along their offensive line via the transfer portal. Now. If you, you could look at this both ways, you could say, okay, Montana's really good about going and filling the holes it has at those two crucial positions with transfers that come in and at the very least provide depth, if not start. Since Bobby Houck's been back, the starting quarterbacks at Montana have been Dalton Sneed, a transfer from UNLV by way of a junior college, Cam Humphrey, a transfer from Boise State by way of a junior college, and Lucas Johnson, a transfer who spent time at Georgia Tech and San Diego State. On the offensive line, they've had a variety of uh, transfer starters, whether it's Dylan Cook, who was sort of the unorthodox quarterback turn lineman transfer from the Frontier Conference, who then made it to the NFL, or guys from the junior college ranks like uh, Russ Pilons or Moses Mallory, or guys from the Division I ranks like Hunter McGinnis, who was a first-team All-League selection last year, former transfer from Washington State. Now, okay, so again, you can say, the Grizz have done a good job of filling the holes that they got in this new world where we live in, where you're trying to assemble a roster each and every year. On the other side of it, though, you can be critical of it two ways. One, why is it that the Grizz are having to pluck three out of their five starting offensive linemen from the transfer portal? I mean, last year, A.J. Forbes, Nebraska transfer. Chris Walker, a Nebraska transfer. Uh, who was the, There was a third starting lineman last year. That McGinnis. Was well, and of course, Hunter McGinnis. He was just in his second year at Montana. So they had, and I guess Forbes was too, but three out of their five starters are out of the portal. Again, you could say, okay, maybe we're getting a higher caliber player than what we normally would get. But on the flip side, if you're running a developmental program and you want to uh, have long term success, I think you got to start cultivating some better, younger guys. Now, maybe 
Brandon Casey, who was a starter as a sophomore, can transform into an elite player. Maybe Journey Grimsrud or Liam Brown or both, guys that both got a bunch of playing time as redshirt freshmen there on the inside, maybe they can. I'm not sure, but I think that constantly having to fortify your ranks along the offensive line and quarterback, you can criticize the Grizz for not having those ranks more aptly fortified before having to constantly hit the portal. But maybe that's just sort of the way of the world. And then the last thing I would say is that if you are going to go the route of bringing in transfers, especially along the offensive line, I I would like these guys to be a little bit more dominant. Again, McGinnis, a first-team all-league performer last year. That was a little bit controversial just given that Montana's offensive line as a whole was just okay. And, you know, someone like a team like Montana State, who led the country, I guess was second in the country in rushing yards per game, led the big sky by a long margin. They didn't land anybody on the first team all league. Part of that's because they're super young up front. Part of that's because there was sort of a by committee effort. But either way, and again, McGinnis is really good. If you're going to fortify the ranks via the portal, though, I'm hoping that you're just going to get better. Maybe this Paleoff guy is, is going to be an absolutely dominant player. We don't know. We won't know until we see it. I just think it's very interesting that they are filling the holes, but I, I, I just wish there was more guys coming. Like, throughout the – I mean, one thing I study voraciously in the Big Sky is offensive line development theories, the way that programs like to go about it. And here's the thing. If a guy is going to become a, a, a multiple-time All-League guy and a multiple-time All-American – you can see it. He's already a really good player when he's a redshirt freshman at this level or a redshirt sophomore. I just wish that Montana had more guys. If you're talking about the future of the program for the Grizz, I just think they have to have more guys in the stable where you're like, oh, man, once that guy gets it, once it clicks, let's roll. I just don't know if they have that. But I also wonder if sometimes they're stymieing their overall development by continuing to recruit upperclassmen to play over their younger guys. Coulter, I think they're looking at it the other way, right? And I see the the point that you're making. If you're bringing in two or three new transfer guys every year who are going to be more developed uh, physically and are going to have more experience than the young guys, it's hard to find spots for the young guys. I would bet that Montana's sort of looking at it the other way, right? We can bring in these guys every year, and in addition to sort of plugging into those spots on the offensive line, playing with those guys is going to help the young guys develop, right? Being with those guys in practice every day, watching them uh, go about their business, watching how they lift, watching how they develop their games. Um, you know, so I can sort of see it from the other angle, too. On the uh, Grizz recruiting quarterback carousel, now that some of these guys are committing, we can just let it all out there because I've been trying to track a bunch of this stuff. So what we got now is Sam Bidlack is uh, committed to Montana, former Oregon State, Boise State guy. Daniel Britt, who left Montana, he's now committed to Northern Arizona. Northern Arizona also, just now, right now, just got a commitment from Kai Milner, who's a former four-star recruit, a transfer from Cal. That guy was in the mix at Montana. The other guy at Cal, who, I I don't know how Cal just has it. Well, I guess I do know how Cal has this exodus. It's Cal football. They've just been struggling mightily for the last half a dozen years. I don't really know why this happened. I mean, to me, Berkeley's just so sweet. I don't know why Cal is just so stuck in in the mud here. Anyways, Kai Milner was recruited by Montana. He's now headed... Uh, to Northern Arizona. The other Cal transfer, his name escapes me, but he's headed to Louisville. That guy, the Grizz, was also in the mix in because I had heard they wanted to bring in two Pac-12 guys. And so they they got one, Oregon State, Sam Vidlack, who I guess coming from Boise State directly. But they're losing one, Kai Milner, from Cal to Northern Arizona. And then Jack Tuttle, who was also in the mix, at an Indiana transfer, he is headed to Michigan. So there you go. The Grizz are swinging for the fences with these uh, these transfers. I think that Bobby Houck is maybe thinking, if we're going to bring in two, or if we're going to bring in one, we should bring in two and have them compete against each other. Uh, but interesting, I mean, just the way the dominoes are falling, it's also interesting. Now Daniel Britt, former Grizz quarterback, who maybe was leaving to get away from some competition, he now has some new competition already at Northern Arizona. Yeah, really interesting. This, I mean, this happens with a bunch of other positions too, Coulter, but it's just so, uh, I mean, with quarterback, there's just an extra level to it, and we see it now with the new uh, rules around the transfer portal. 
it's just a it's just a free agent market every year, Coulter, with these quarterbacks coming up, dropping down. Uh, good for Northern Arizona taking those swings. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, now, certainly, if the Grizz wanted to get somebody else in, because the thing with these transfers now, and we were just talking about this uh, with Travis DeCure in a basketball sense, you can bring in transfers who are on different developmental timelines, right? That's right. You, you can bring in a guy who you want to start this year, and you can also bring in a guy from a Power 5 who you can say, you know, you're a sophomore, you got three years of eligibility left, We can you can sit on the bench for a year and we can develop you as well, uh, and then have them both compete in, in the fall. Um, so, maybe not Done with the activity for the Grizz, but interesting news on on the Cal transfer going to Northern Arizona. On us now, ESPN Radio, as well as the ESPN MT app. No SWX Montana Television today. We'll be back on the tube tomorrow. Uh, but if you want to see our shining faces, check out that ESPN MT app. It's also a great way to follow along Grizz Hockey. Grizz Hockey uh, has uh, the reignition of a schedule starting next Wednesday. So that's uh, eight days from now. So we'll uh, keep you apprised of what's going down uh, with Grizz Hockey. The quarterback carousel continues uh, to churn around the uh, state of Montana, the Big Sky Conference, and uh, just NCAA Division One football. Last point on that, and then we'll take a break and get to some hoops. There's all sorts of grumbling about the portal. And, you know, it's like I always try to remind you, there's, there's two sides to every story. There's two sides to every coin. I, I do sort of agree with the notion that the portal gives kids an opportunity to uh, have, some, um, have some say in, in, in their, their pursuits, their future. If it's a bad fit, whatever, gives them a little bit of freedom. I also sort of buy into the notion that sometimes uh, it's a, what have you done for me lately, quick fix, all that stuff. Quarterbacks, though, I, I, so I guess what I'm saying is I do think you learn a lot from staying at a place, going through hard times, coming on the other side, emerging, conquering some adversity. You know, I, I want, both things can be true. You're not necessarily a quitter if you want to transfer, but if you're transferring because you want to quit, uh, maybe that's not the best thing for your future. Quarterbacks are different than that, though, because you're hardly ever going to rotate as a quarterback on a college football team. If you're not the starter or if you're buried, then uh, or if the offense isn't right or if your offensive coordinator or your quarterback's coach leaves, I, I think there's just a lot more rope that should be provided transfers. And also, I think you, there's a lot bigger market out there, obviously, for transfers because of that reason. And you can fundamentally change your program by getting a transfer. I mean, LSU won a national championship with Joe Burrow. Transfer. Baker Mayfield won the Heisman and was the number one overall pick. Transfer. I mean, Kyler Murray. Transfer. Jalen Hurts. Maybe the MVP of the NFL. Transfer. So you can get a lot of uh, quality uh, players. Andrew, anything left to add to this before we get to some hoops? I guess the last thing just to add to that point about quarterbacks transferring being different from any other position. Not only is there not a role for you if you're not going to be the guy, but like for... With with NIL now, yeah, a lot of these guys transferring, they really are just looking for for better fit. I mean, the NIL opportunities are going to be negligible, sure, depending on you know, no matter where you land at. For a quarterback, it's a little bit different, right? Because if totally. you do land in the right situation, uh, you have the opportunity to sort of be the the big man uh, and make some of that money as well. And that could be very different depending on which situation you end up in, whether you do end up winning that job. Etc. Etc. I saw. Speaking of the NIL thing, I saw a fascinating detail from one of the Michigan football reporters about the Jack Tuttle deal. Jack Tuttle transferred from Indiana to Michigan. He's not guaranteed to be the starter. In fact, he's almost certainly not going to be the starter there at Michigan. But because of their NIL collective, and also because of this opportunity they have for coaching development, Jack Tuttle is basically going to get a seventy thousand dollars stipend. That's part NIL money, part. Uh, like coach development because he wants to be a grad transfer and then they all are not a grad transfer a grad assistant and they told him they would find him then a grad assistant job so basically he gets to go basically be the the quarterback coach assistant as the the fourth string quarterback of michigan make a bunch of money doing it and then get placed uh, at a big time job that seems like a career accelerator that's a smart decision by that young man yeah that's, that's, really, really that's not a do. bad thing yeah it's no, no. great you're great. You're just kickstarting your career. I mean, that's the thing. It's like it's like getting a superstar internship. You just get to wear pads at the big house 
uh, on a Saturday. Montana Football Hour, presented by Blackfoot Communications. We'll go basketball style. We got our Stockman Bank scoreboard. Plus, we got some thoughts about the Big Sky Conference basketball weekend that was. Keep it right here. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. Bobcat fans, support both your favorite team and Montana State students. When you shop at the student and faculty-owned MSU Bookstore, your purchase lowers the price of course materials for Montana State students. Montana State is in the midst of a historic year, and the MSU Bookstore has everything you need, from jerseys to garments, t-shirts to sweatshirts. You can also find the vast selection of Bobcat gear online by visiting msubookstore.org. Help students excel and look your best in blue and gold. The MSU Bookstore is your Bobcat gear headquarters. ESPN Radio. One of the most fascinating parts about music to me is that uh, sometimes when something like that song, Little Alicia Keys, when it comes out, you know what you're listening to is way different. But then the song becomes so popular, it almost becomes normalized to you, and then you hear it and you, you forget how much different it was when it first came out. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Coulter Nuanas coming to you through the ESPN MT studio here at the Missoula Broadcasting Company. First couple songs from today's playlist, Clive Davis-oriented songs. Clive Davis, the former president of Arista Records and a guy who had his hands in so much stuff when it came to the pop music world. Clive Davis, the soundtrack of our lives, a really good documentary I watched over the uh, Christmas break. Montana Basketball Hours, presented by Blackfoot Communications. Time for our Stockman Bank scoreboard. Stockman Bank is in Montana, only in Montana, and they plan on keeping it that way. Let Stockman Bank show you Montana's brand of banking. In the Big Sky Conference on the women's side, Lady Grizz beat Northern Colorado 82-60. to More on that game later on this week. Northern Arizona capitalized on their Thursday win in Missoula, and they went and won in Bozeman. That's a really good sweep uh, for the Northern Arizona women uh, on the road against the Lady Grizz and the Montana State Bobcats. NAU won 85-80 to on uh, Saturday in Bozeman. Montana got it out, a 79-74 win over Northern Colorado. They were up big in it, and then they uh, let the lead dwindle all the way down to one point before finally closing it out. So, uh, late leads, hard to hang on to for the Montana men. Uh, it remains a trend, but uh, they got the win in Greeley, so uh, hard to say uh, that it wasn't a successful trip. It's good for the Grizz to, to earn that split after dropping uh, in overtime to last place Northern Arizona. I guess la- last year, I should say, is last place team Northern Arizona on Thursday in OT for the Grizz. Uh, MSU, they completed the road sweep after drilling Northern Colorado on Thursday. Uh, the MSU men posted a uh, 69-54 win uh, over um, Northern Arizona and Flagstaff. The rest of the Big Sky Conference scoreboard on the men's side, Portland State defeated Idaho 74-58. Eastern Washington was like doubling up Sac State in the first half and then had to hang on for dear life on the way to a 78-75 win. Idaho State, don't look now. But the Bengals, who would have absolutely been at the bottom of my power rankings in the non-conference coming into league play, <laughs> are 4-0 Big Sky Conference play after a 67-57 win over Weber State. Oh, 3-0, that's right, because they just had the single game this week. That's right. But they swept their opening against uh, NAU and Northern Colorado. I'm not sure the quality of those teams, but make no mistake, regardless if it was a single game, two games, whatever, Weber State's really good. At least I think they're going to be really good in this league because I think they have one of the best players in the league in Dylan Jones. Idaho State, 67-57 over Weber. On the women's side, Sac State's women got a 82-74 win over Eastern Washington. Idaho State's women beat Weber State 65-52. And Portland State, probably a surprise of the women's league, beat Idaho 53-43, that is the first Big Sky Conference win under Chelsea Gregg. The uh, Around the Big Sky Women's Hoops, the Crystal Red Path, will return here on Nuanas Now on Thursday. This week, the episode presented by Laird and Cowley PLLC. Crystal Red Path, our Big Sky Conference women's analyst. Uh, she'll join us on Thursday, so we'll have more details on the week that was and the week that will be uh, in 
women's basketball uh, from around the Big Sky Conference. More from our Stockman Bank scoreboard. Here's some high school scores for you. We're not going to get, I mean, there was seriously probably 75 boys and girls games over the weekend. So we're just going to rip through some of the most pertinent ones quickly. Got to get out because Marty Mornaweg is uh, up next, the Monday afternoon quarterback uh, with Coach Marty. Big Fork beat Deer Lodge 69-36, Billing Central 69, Lockwood 56, Billing Senior 56, Great Falls CMR 53, Billing Skyview 48, Great Falls High 41, Bozeman Gallatin beat Belgrade 54-28, Browning beat Polson 76-71, Butte beat Flathead 59-48, Helena High beat Missoula Hellgate. That's a good win for Helena High. There's a couple really good sophomores on both Helena High and Missoula Hellgate, but Helena High gets the best of Hellgate, who is coming off a great win over Helena Capital. So the West looks really tough again this year in Western AA, but Helena High 61, Missoula Hellgate 57. Helena Capital bounced back from their loss to Hellgate with a 51-34 win over Big Sky. And uh, probably your top Class C match, or yeah, excuse me, uh, Class B matchup of the year, Ladras beats St. LeBray 71-68 in overtime. On the girls' side, Skyview beat Great Falls High 66-36. Bozeman beat Belgrade 45-39. Browning beat Polson 55-48. Dillon beat Stevie 68-25. Frenchtown beat Butte Central 61-19. Harden beat Haver by a single point, 49-48. Those two teams will be uh, contenders in Class A by the end of the year. I promise you that. Kalispell Flathead beat Butte 39-36. Hellgate continues to roll. They beat Helena High 44-30. And Missoula Sentinel beat Kalispell Glacier in girls basketball 76-48. So there you go. It's your Stockman Bank scoreboard. Stockman Bank, Montana's brand of banking. More analysis about the Big Sky Conference weekend that was uh, a little later on this week, but we got to get out because it is NFL playoff time at long last, the best time of the year. We got a guy who spent more than 25 years in the National Football League to help us hash it all out. The Monday afternoon quarterback with Coach Marty, Marty Mornaweg, in studio with me, Coulter Nuanas. Next, keep it right here, our two coming at you, Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. I am here with Catherine DeLands of the Advocates. If you've been listening to ESPN Radio, you're familiar and you know if you've been in an accident, the Advocates can surely help you. There's a lot of people out there that don't slow down for road conditions that are driving recklessly or carelessly, and we want to protect the people that have been injured because of those drivers' actions. You deserve an advocate. The advocates will deal with the insurance company and defer medical bills, so all you need to do is rest and get better. The advocates will handle the overwhelming legal stress of your accident because you didn't deserve to be in an accident. Chat directly with a local attorney online at MontanaAdvocates.com.